Hey there, people in the podcast world. This is Rob Beller doing a quick intro to something experimental and different, entirely different that we did this year, right before PLRBs uh, began. We decided that we would take advantage of the fact that there was uh, maybe some people who were lingering around waiting for the conference to start. So we reached out to several of our um, customers and contacts on the carrier side to see if they would be interested in joining us for a round table to discuss the future of claims. The operation operational title of our little round table was claims 2024. So in other words, what will claims be like five years from now? So we invited Dan Moore, senior vice president of um, QBE, John Hall from Worley, Scott Sprague, from Westfield, Pat Sennard from Great American, Mick Zondori from Kemper, Jill Thomas from Nat Gen Lender Services, and Bo Helms from Shelter, and asked them to sit around a table with Matt Fothery and myself to talk about the future of claims. It was a terrific experience. It was experimental, but it was really interesting. And I think that many of of you in our audience will find it interesting to hear the perspectives and the ideas and the different directions that the conversation went in, which were not only uh, encouraging to me, but also surprising at times. So let's just uh, jump right in and listen to uh, our, our special PLRB episode, a roundtable on claims 2024. Hi from Indianapolis, Indiana. We're here at the JW Marriott at the 2019 PLRB conference, and I'm sitting at the table with a whole bunch of really smart senior claims executives, and we're here today to talk about claims 2024, the future of claims, the future of claims disruption, where it's going, what's going on, and we have an esteemed panel, if I say so myself, and I'm sitting here today with Matt Fothery. Our CEO. Hi, Matt. Hi, Rob. Hi, hi Matt. And so we're just going to go around the table, um, and you'll just have to close your eyes and imagine these people. But uh, uh, I'll start with myself. I'm Rob Beller from 470. Great. I'm uh, Dan Moore. I'm with QBE. And what, you, what, what do you do at QBE? Uh, I am the head of operations, which includes uh, uh, claims operations as well as uh, underwriting uh, support operations and corporate operations. Great. I'm Scott Sprague. I'm with Westfield Insurance, and I've been with uh, Westfield Insurance about 23 years now. I'm a uh, property leader. So I'm Pat Sennard. I'm with Great American Insurance. I've been with Great American 25 years now. Um, I am claim manager, operations manager for our Cincinnati office. Jill Thomas, and I work for National General, the Lender Services Division, and I manage the claims for any mortgage-placed insurance. John Hall with Audit Services Incorporated, a uh, Worley company. Um, I've been with uh, ASI, will be 20 years this November, so it's been quite a career. Mick Zondori, I'm uh, with Kemper Preferred, been there for about a year and a half now, and I'm over all of um, home and auto claims. I'm 
I'm Bo Helms. I'm with Shelter Insurance. I've been with Shelter for about 16 years. I manage the catastrophe side of our company along with the property department. And I'm Matt Fothery, and I'm the uh, CEO of 470, and I've been doing this way too long. <laughs> Especially with you, Rob. What a nice thing to say, Matt. Okay, we're just going to jump into this, and our goal today is to have a conversation and talk about uh, the future of claims. And so uh, I'll just put uh, something out on the table, and 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 let's and we'll just go from there. So um, let's talk about your within your own organizations. We don't have to talk about anything specifically. Um, or any any names specifically, but uh, what are some of the things that uh, that are having impact in your organization now, um, technologically, both both specifically and generally, uh, on the claims process? Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, technology obviously is playing a, a, an increasingly bigger role, uh, not just in the insurance industry, but but over you know across industries. And insurance is no different. Claims, I guess, for us is. Uh, is the same. Uh, we're seeing, uh, you know, increases in the work that we're doing around digitization. So, how do we think about being uh, creating a digital experience, uh, either through uh, some of the interactions we have with policyholders or uh, ways in which we deliver the claim service? So, that's that's certainly a technology trend that's that, that we're seeing drive uh, a lot of our interest and activity and. Uh, I guess the other one that I'll put out on the table is data. We're seeing a ton of uh, technology work around data, whether it's uh, data collection, data, you know, data analytics, and how do we how do we use the data to be uh, to, to be more thoughtful or more uh, insightful into the decisions that we make. And I think uh, you know, insurance has a, and claims in particular has a really long history of being uh, data rich. Uh, and uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity to mine that, and we're, we're still, I think, at the infancy of scratching the surface on that. So those are two of the trends that we're seeing uh, from a technology standpoint, driving a lot of interest and activity. John, you, you, you produce a lot of data in your company, yes? <laughs> That's right. Well, a ton of data, and it's, uh, it's making a uh, huge impact in what we do. Um, you know, on, on the independent side, you know, at a, at a table full of insurance carriers, uh, What's really driving the change in our business is virtualization. Uh, everything that we're working on is how to uh, find the right skill set of labor to you know take us into 2024. Um, our industry's changed a lot just in the talent that's available. We've seen a, a lot of aging out of uh, really good talent, and you know in order to fulfill the needs of carriers going forward, we have to rely on technology uh, to replace that gap. So it's not a question of if; it's a question of you know how and how fast uh, it's uh, we don't have a choice you know, it's yeah and I'll, I'll come in on our side on the independent I think it's interesting uh, on our side because I, I think you and I both feel like the the entire process can't be automated so there's skill set in there that we're going to need uh, experience wise and finding the automation and the process in between now seems to be I know on our forefront, you know, we've we've gone through the technology hunt. We're we're looking now about process and where to plug in the right automation uh, and, and AI kind of in between to keep the talent in front of us. Right? It's it's tough to find talent nowadays, at least on our side. Are y'all feeling any of that on y'all side with everything going on? Yeah, right now the job market in our area it's very tight. Even to find the kids coming out of college. Um, getting people into the insurance industry is is a struggle. Um, More so than it ever has been, really, hasn't it? It's. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree. The uh, 
the time to find folks, you know, it's going on a month to two months to find quality candidates coming in your door when you're inter interviewing these days. Mm -hmm. Is that unusual? It has been an unusual. Um, in our area, there was other carriers that you're able to swap out with, it seems like, in years past. Um, folks would jump around, and that's kind of slowed down. Um, it's, uh, it's a very competitive market right now for folks in our industry, I believe. Who at the table has started to see some of these technologies start to seep into their operations, using new things, uh, new tools, new companies, insure tech stuff? Anybody? So from a technology standpoint where we've seen the benefit is on the front end of claims, getting claims into the system, assigned to an adjuster, assigned to an a, uh, independent appraiser to go out and look at them. In years past, it was all manual process, probably touched by two or two or three different people in the process, and that's all being streamlined um, on our end right now and trying to get beyond that now onto the next level of how do we streamline that next level. I'd agree. I, I would say that we've spent a lot of time uh, looking at the um, first notice of loss piece and then how do you take the technology that's out there to match up the right claim with the right person and make sure you're doing it quickly uh, so then we can get to work on on the claim and um, matching them up not only with the right adjuster but also with the right vendor partner. So, you know, from the insured standpoint, they just want to see action. No delays. And, and certainly you touched on the manual process. It was all manual. And now we're looking for ways to automate as much as we can. So, so on the independent side, we've seen some carriers that are doing some neat things with, um, with chat, uh, you know, online chat where it's actually, you know, AI that's communicating with the actual insured. Um, that's big for us because it's triaging those claims on the front end and trying to get the right claim to a, to a desk adjuster as, as fast as possible. Um, the technology is not there yet. It's getting close, but it's not there where it's seamless because the you're dealing with the human, uh, you know, artificial intelligence dealing with a human who is not always as predictable as we think they should be. And so that's where the, the rub is right now. But I th it will get there in the next few years, I believe. Yeah, so it's a, it's a great example, John. It's, it's, that is something that we're currently doing today. We have a, uh, an AI-assisted chat bot that is back-ended by people. It's called TelQBE, right, where it's an opportunity for individuals to engage with their claim professional uh, via this uh, you know, SMS chat capability. And, and I think you know, it creates it's, – it's not, we're not forcing people to use chat, but sometimes it's more convenient to – to, to use an SMS chat messaging bot, uh, sometimes it's more uh, convenient to make a phone call. There's different purposes, and so we're we're looking to create options for for customers to be able to engage in that way. Uh, where the AI on that particular piece comes in is is certain questions. Some of, some of the questions can be answered right uh, based on data that's uh, available in the claim. Not all of it, and, and I think to your point, the maturity is still up there. You know, for it to be truly all end and automated, we're we're, we're a ways away from technology, and we may not even, from a strategic standpoint, ever want to get to that full place for all of our claims. Uh, but it does create this opportunity for uh, you know some of those qu quick questions to be answered by the AI twenty four seven, and then also to create a new channel for uh, for customers to interact with. 
Um, so that, that, that's that's one of the things we're we're looking at. It, virtualization you mentioned earlier is another one that we've been spending a lot of time on. Is how do we engage the 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 claim, uh, you know the uh, policyholder earlier in the light, in the process? So whether it's with cameras, videos, uh, how do we think about being more uh, cutting down that that telephone tag cycle time of you know making an assignment, you know confirming appointment times, all that stuff drives a lot of time into the cycle time and, and customer frustration, right? And so how do we cut some of that out using some virtualization techniques and uh, as well as some crowdsourcing uh, type techniques, right? So some 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 ways to to think about that that equation. It's one of the one of the areas that you know that we hear that carriers struggle with all the time is in that FNOL space, and it's getting the right information from the claimant up front so you can triage the claim correctly. So technology in that area would really advance our industry. And along with it would help all of us, even even in the field. I mean, that's one of the, uh, you know, working for a company now that does a lot of field work. It's one of the issues now is you get very poor first notice of loss information. Definitely. And yeah. so the more, you know, information is key to the entire claims process. Absolutely. Is that where you're using a... a a bot is is it the it, is it FNOL? So so, so right now um, the the current uh, use is, is just post FNOL. So the so when they report the loss, uh, uh, we we offer them the opportunity to receive the the first text. So you know there's a lot of a lot of regulation and privacy issues around texting, right? And so uh, there's a you know you need to you need to be thoughtful about that from a regulatory standpoint. So one of the things we've done is in, in order to to kind of maintain that protection is, is to actually get the consent during the FNOL process, at which right. point we then launch out the bot. Now, th that said, one of the use cases that's on our roadmap is to basically create the, the, the question set that will pull the data from someone who's interacting in that way mm -hmm. so that, that we can be a little more upfront on it. We're not there yet. Candidly, uh -huh. we're still now more post-report and how do we interact with folks. But 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 it just became apparent to us. We had, we had a very large uh, commercial fire loss. Uh, our, 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 you know, GA was trying to get a hold of the, the property manager. The mailbox was full. And you, you can imagine if somebody's got a really, really large loss and they're the property manager, they probably got a lot of people trying to get a hold of them, right? And so they're having a real hard time getting a hold of them. And uh, I, I remember I was in the Chicago office talking to her and she said, I, I pulled out my personal cell phone. I texted the number. I got a response back in one minute and we connected and we got the thing. And she'd been leaving voice messages trying to get a hold of her for two days on the phone. And so that was just one of those instant thoughts so we got to create more channels for people to, to communicate uh, and support. Are you guys hearing in your organizations from your leadership, from your senior leadership, what are we doing on this? What's going on? What are we trying? What are we using? Is there pressure coming from above to, to evolve and change and use new tools? The pressure from above for us is, honestly, there's so much competition out there that on the price side, we're not going to be able to get the price on the on the uh, premium. So we have to figure out ways to become more efficient within our own operations. Um, and that efficiency is created through technology. How can we how can we create that efficiency within our organization through technology? That's where our pressure is coming from. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's one hundred percent true on the IA side as well. I mean, the pressure that pressure rolls all the way. I'd say it rolls downhill, but I don't know how to better characterize it. But the laws uh, of plumbing still apply. The right? laws of plumbing yes, still apply. One hundred percent right. So I think you're correct, John. So 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 as. Uh, you know, I think it's it's key for organizations like 470 and like Worley to figure out ways to 
process claims more efficiently, faster, and ultimately more cost effectively. I mean, that's that's the the driver because, like you said, there's such pressures on premium. Premiums are not going; they're not going up. I mean, that's we've got to do. We we have a certain a finite box that we're all we're all in, and we've got to uh, work within that. When you think about where some of the challenges, I, I definitely agree. You know, the expense and efficiency side. Uh, you know, there's customer choice, obviously, in, in services driving a lot of that. But, but even you know, you'll think uh, for, for the carriers who are obviously, uh, you know, when we're when we're having our AM Best conversations, AM Best has recently come out and said innovation is. You know, it's always been around financial strength and strategic alignment and things like that. But AM Best has now now come out and formally put out there that you're in innovation efforts will be part and parcel of how they rate your 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 strength right and wow. so that's a i mean that's a a market shift right in terms of how uh you know insurance carriers are being rated and thought about and 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 so uh puts i think a different strategic lens on that challenge for carriers and for for, for participants to be thinking about how do they now uh, you know leverage that innovation as part of their uh, as part of their ability to be a sustainable enterprise going forward. And I think that's a, a recognition on the part of AM Best that the innovation will be necessary for uh, for entities to be a viable concern for the long term. Uh, otherwise they wouldn't put that out there, right? So it's it's now at you know it's now, you know, not just enough to be financially secure, but you've got to be thinking about your future in, a, in an innovative way. And so I, I would just put that out there yeah. to you as one of those examples that's driving it's driving conversation at the C suite for us and it's it's and I think it's driving conversation at the strategic levels across uh, a lot of the organizations in the industry. Uh, we've talked about the kind of the front end of the claims process and the uh, FNOL and stuff. Uh, let's talk about, you know, the customer experience on site, the inspection process. There's a lot of technology driving that when we talk about drones, aerial imagery, everything that's going on there. So, you know, what's being used now? What do you guys see over the next few years, five years? What, what do you think is going to stick? There's a lot of noise out there right now, right? Well, I think the days of... Uh, breaking out the tape measure on every roof claim that you have are over. I, you know, we, uh, I think everyone recognizes the value in aerial imagery and, and when it plays so well with the estimating programs that are out there and being able to drop uh, those files into Symbility or into ExactMate or whoever you're using and having a, an estimate there for you. I think it's just it's a no-brainer from a safety perspective, from an efficiency perspective, and from a productivity perspective. So, How many uh, tape measures I've broken a year? <laughs> <laughs> flip it over the ridge to the other side. So it's because they always give you the dumb end of it. <laughs> well, that is true. That is true. That is, is true. So. Yeah, I would agree. I think the aerial imagery is a, it's been a game changer. Of course, the aerial has been out for a while. Um, you know, drones certainly hit us. Seemed like 12, 18 months ago, that was kind of the hot thing. Seems to us, it's um, not as prevalent anymore. But we were having the conversation the other day that we need to circle back around and look because these companies we've tested. You know, it's been about a year. We need to go back and see what's happening. There's more competition. You know, have y'all had any experience with Jones? And what is the what what is the future hold for them? I don't, I'll, I'll jump in. So, like, I think it was five years ago, I was on a committee to, uh, you know, go in and really observe the efficacy of using drones. And that's when, about the time that the, the federal government got involved and then you know, all bets were off. And that was kind of like the shiny red button of the day, right? Right. <clears throat> it hasn't really... Um, panned out so well for the the staff adjusters. Now I know that you know engineering firms and some IA firms have licensed pilots and whatnot, but 
the drone thing has kind of, I believe, sort of been sidestepped by some of these other technologies. I don't know if we talk about any of the companies, yeah, and sure. Harbor's yeah. one of them, sure. mm-hmm. where to me it's to, to, to enable the customer engagement that those technologies um, allow. Um, it does a number of things. It really, it, it sort of lowers the guard um, from insurers. It, it enables us to, to um, garner some rapport by just engaging with them and enabling them to be part of that claims process. And to me, that um, had, th- that's paying off in bigger dividends than drones ever will. Right. Um, and the accuracy of those products seems to be pretty sound too. So not just the, 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 the data that you get, but engaging the customer as yeah. a positive that people actually they actually want to be involved. Yeah, because ultimately, I mean, we're talking about insure tech and, and the new technologies that are coming. And you had asked, um, you know, where is this all going? Uh-huh. And, you know, ultimately, every, oh, and you also asked, you know, are we having pressure from a, up above, you know, to use these new yeah. technologies? Yeah. The pressure really is kind of an indirect pressure, right? It's it's do more with less. So we're kind of forced into this new technology and some of them are pretty great. Interesting. But at the end of the day, I think everybody is is running headlong into the wind at these new technologies because they see everybody else looking at, you know, salivating over the same stuff. But as an industry, we're all a little bit gun shy because everybody knows that there's a human element that's got to be, that can't be lost in this. And so we're trying to strike a balance. We're in mm-hmm. that, that in-between mm-hmm. period where we're kind of you know, feeling each other out as, you know, companies and as an industry. And I believe the poli- the, the structures of the policies are going to have to change. Inevitably, the mm-hmm. language is going to have to change to enable some of the algorithms so that they can ultimately get where they want to go in the brave new world. But that might be getting a little bit ahead mm-hmm. of ourselves here. Well, yeah, simple things like having the policy pre-authorized text use, right? You know, to yeah, decide right. the time. Exactly. There you go. I've heard right. a lot of talk about that at the time of at the time you buy your policy. You know, have them sign up, say in, in the event yeah. you have a claim, yeah. we will communicate. We will communicate. This way, right? You opt in or opt out, Absolutely. and then that be part of your claim file. That would be a huge advance. Um, so the other, there's some challenges with technology too, though. You can talk right. about. I mean, so so we've been engaged in a lot of photo estimating on the on the auto side. Um, Consumers are not the best picture takers, even with really advanced <laughs> technology that would guide you through, you know, how to do it. So, an example of, you know, in the in the winter time in Detroit, in the middle of, you know, trying to take a picture of a damaged car that has, you know, four inches of frozen ice slush on it, you know, it's not a not a great solution. It doesn't. I mean, it's it's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, or when they, you know, get home from work and it's already dark outside and they're taking pictures in the dark. It was not that valuable um, so there's there's a lot of challenges that are that the that tech may or may not be able to overcome and again it's being engaged with that consumer you know it's a, it's a key piece of it we have that um, just with um, non adjuster inspectors mm-hmm. right like there's services out there I'll just name one when we go look where you're you have non-insurance people involved getting involved in gathering data for a claims for a claim and they're they they're taking pictures of like what you said that maybe not might not be um you know right on target Mm -hmm. and uh yeah they're either either 
not in that specific example, but even consumers, either, you know, they're two inches away from the damage or they're, you know, two miles away from the damage. You know, not that. And you can don't have an insurance eye. They're not, right. they're not honing in on what we need to see to make a right call well, well, from you can, an estimate. You can relate on the IA side. It's one of the, when you're teaching an entry-level adjuster on the IA side of an auto or property, one of the first things you have to teach them is how to appropriately take photographs of a home or car. They, it's, it's not intuitive. <laughs> and the consumer struggles with that. But the you know the next big area you mentioned the the roofing we talked you talked about drones but the other big piece is and that's I think everybody's trying to figure this out right now and there's some products that are out there that may be coming is the interior measurements mm-hmm. on homes yeah. I mean that's really right. roofing seems to be we've kind of settled in on aerial imagery drones are you know <laughs> drones might be a better fit for the catastrophic work versus a day claim opportunity when you have multiple properties on the same street those kind of things or or services like a, like a, think of an eagle view with a drone that goes in and surveys the whole area where we, you know, would buy, you know, each carrier would buy their property address, that drone footage right after an event. But you can't really do that on a day claim uh, mm-hmm. as much. But, you know, if we can, if someone can crack the interior measurements, you know, using a smartphone type application, I think that'll be the next big leap in uh, virtualization. And there's some out there. They're just, they're not there yet. Yeah. And, they're, but I mean, you look at day claims and, probably 50% are interior water losses, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're losing as much on that measurements and time and, and stuff like that estimating. I mean, it's it's not easy to estimate the interiors mm-hmm. at home. It's not easy to QA stuff from our desks, you know, because we don't have good pictures, right? We can't see every angle to make sure the adjuster has that. So yeah, I think that's a big missing piece right now. And uh, it's difficult the way mm-hmm. homes are built. I mean, I get it. We've had them in our office and shown us. And when these, you get these open concepts and they've got all these vaulted ceilings, I mean, they're just having trouble. Now, I think they'll get it. Mm-hmm. They'll get there, right. But it's a big opportunity. It's a big space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's probably one of the challenges I see going forward as we talk about virtual adjusting and, and desk adjusting. And I think we all see the movement of claims more from the field to the inside using the technologies that we have. But I would say that we we have to get good at getting that those photographs and the video and then having um, – having some confidence to take a little risk and um, writing up those estimates, but also being able to make sure we're paying what we owe, too. I mean, that's the ultimate goal. And um, so, you know, that's the direction I see us moving, but I also see it as as a pretty big challenge before we're confident to say, yes, we can do it this way. Yeah, one of the one of the big drawbacks in the virtualization space, um, if you underpay a consumer for a claim, you know, so you write an initial estimate, and we understand that it's an estimate and that the estimates have variability, but the consumers don't always understand that. So you write an estimate and it's X dollars, and the consumer then brings in a general contractor, they take their car to their collision repair center, and the, and the repair is much, much different than that estimate. The consumer sometimes they they're a little skeptical about insurance as a whole to start with. Right. So you set a right. you you can you can create a negative customer experience if you're not very careful when your quality is not there and you're not making sure that you're you're setting that expectation with the consumer that you've written for what the what's visible those types of things. Um, and, and again, that comes back to staffing because having the right staff in place that can communicate that expectation and have that interaction with the, co- the consumer is key to make it all, all work. Um, they've got to represent your company the way that you 
want to be represented. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think there's, you know, so um, on the technology side of the house, uh, I, I'm reminded, so, you know, in the, in the late 90s and early 2000, I did a lot of dot-com work, right? Mm -hmm. Pre-me pre pre in the insurance industry. And um, a lot of those <laughs> concepts, candidly, didn't survive 2001, right? Uh, and, and yet now in 2019, uh, a lot of those concepts that died uh, are now thriving uh, unicorn businesses, right? North of a billion in valuation. Uh, and, and so I, I think one of the, the, the things to recognize will be how we think about technology today uh, will, will, will be evolving over the next you know, few years. And what, what maybe doesn't work today because we have some challenges and one of the things, you know, regulatory restriction around, you know, line of sight for drone usage to me is an obvious example that once that goes away, that changes the game on aerial imagery from drones in a really remarkable way. Uh, and do I, and I think it ultimately will will, will go away. Mm -hmm. Does it go away tomorrow? Probably not. <clears throat> no, it, but it's it, coming. But it goes away, right? I think. And so that so so how those how that changes over the what 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 works today may not or what works today may not work in twenty years. What works what doesn't work today may work in twenty years. And so there's always this kind of continual uh, challenge to find out what is what, what is and isn't and working and and and, and I think a challenge to uh, to all the participants in the industry to go back to what is the core problem that's trying to be solved, right? And when you when you go back to what the core problem is, there's many ways to, to think about that. If you you know, to, I think I think somebody said uh, you were rushing into the industry to you know see what see what sticks, and everybody's kind of doing it because a lot of other people are doing it. Uh, that 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 is a uh, relatively poor reason to be engaging in technology, right? Uh, it's really more around: Are you clear on what your business problem is? Are you clear on how the technology addresses that core problem uh, and then even if the technology isn't quite ready to solve that problem you, you know you, you're learning and growing along that way but you've rooted yourself in a core business problem uh, and, and at some point that comes to fruition so I think it um, in my world in the lender services world we it poses a different challenge than what you guys are describing right just because um, I think you can have all the technology you can have all of these things but our insured is the mortgage is the Lender, so therefore they're very risk averse. So you are almost you have two feet in each, um, you know, you're the, in, in each world exactly. And I think that technology will tell us um, when we start to go through some litigation on this new technology that will that will be the game changer for us in the lender services world. Yeah. Is how does this pan out in the courts? What is, what does it dictate your litigious states like Florida? What's going to happen, right? Definitely. No, I, th I think you're absolutely right. I mean, a, a lot of even a lot of the decisions that that, that that people are using it for today, us included, are more on the the, the buying it side versus the the the, 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 the more critical aspect of it. Right. Uh, and so it's 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 almost as I think you're right around its its growth really will depend on how some of this gets pressure tested. I mean, at the same time, I, I think it's easy for us to, you know, John, you talked about, you know, uh, the, the claim comes in and it, on an automated and it comes out as more, right? Mm -hmm. You also forget, I got a lot of rewrites on people claims too, right? right. So, mm -hmm. I mean, everybody thinks, oh, well, a person doesn't make a mistake. No, people have rewrites too. And I got under, I got underwritten claims when, when, when I got an experienced person out there. But, but Joe, I think you're spot on. There, there is still a lot of unpressure tested mm -hmm. uh, litigation that's yet to happen over the next little while for some of this technology. Uh, and the safe place to play is on buying the claim. But the more critical aspect is where that, that pressure test will come into play. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think it's safe to say we're kind of in a technology gold rush right now, <laughs> and everybody's kind of racing down that uh, to see what's there, and and some people are, are not ready yet, right? And it's it's a little rocky sometimes. Yeah. So you know who makes money in the gold rush, right? Yeah. Levi Strauss and the suppliers. <laughs> That's right. it's, it's, not the, it's, it's, not, it's not the guys doing work. No, no so it's not. It's the, it's the, it's the, insurance, you know, the, the guys who are getting some VC money and startups and right. walking away with their stocks. But, uh, but no, it's, I think you're right about that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting time. Uh, it's interesting to think what's going on. And, I mean, I think about it because of what we do. But think of how your jobs are going to change in the next one, two, three years. Everybody around this table with what's being introduced and what we're going to look like and evolve, um, the way we manage, who we hire, it's going to be a lot different. I mean, has anybody given any kind of thought to that and have any thoughts on how your job's going to change? I mean, I'm in more technology meetings now than I am staffing meetings. I'm, I mean, we're looking at data more than ever. I mean, I feel more like I'm a, I'm a statistician sometimes than I am a corporate officer trying to do that. I mean, I'm, we're looking down different segments of business and lines of businesses and, and stuff that's it's super intriguing. But, I mean, my job has changed in the last year. The job isn't really going to change that much. Yeah, we're in more meetings that are around technologies. We're constantly looking for, again, you know, that shiny red button, hoping that, you know, when you press it, something doesn't blow up. But but at the end of the day, you know, again, it's it's really still, we're in this, we are really in this in-between period. Um, trying to keep your arms around not just the costs and the expense, because a lot of these technologies are, some of them are cost prohibitive, right? It just yes. doesn't even make sense to um, to utilize them. But the challenge really, um, and I, I know this um, is, is kind of consistent through a lot of the carriers, the challenge really is keeping the actuaries and the underwriting departments and the claims departments married. And that data tends to get bifurcated between, you know, claims and actuary, right? So keeping that connective tissue between those departments and understanding, okay, is, is this shiny red button really paying out at the end in dividends that are multiple dividends, uh, i.e. indemnity, right? So right. ultimately, that's always been the challenge is, is it actuarially sound, right? And we always get pushback from the actuaries. Well, you know, you know, the book of business changed. It wasn't really what, what you did. Um, that's changing now. So the technology is really enabling us now to show because of the data that we have that, yes, it is what we're doing here in claims. It is this new technology and it is improving our, our claim outcome. So you think the job doesn't change much? Well, it does become more of, you know, we, we are doing more analytics. I believe as, as time goes on, for me anyway, it becomes somebody said earlier about, um, about training people and trying to keep people interested. And now the, you know, the millennial generation, the generations to follow them. I keep looking at article after article and I'm feeling it myself. And it's like, the technology is great. You know, algorithms are cool and bots are neat, but at the end of the day, I got to have somebody with a pulse that knows what they're doing. And there's just, there's a lack of interest. So my job I see moving forward is how do I get, you know, a generation that you know, knows nothing about insurance. They don't care about it. It sounds like a boring subject. How do I get them interested? And how do you make the job more dynamic for them? Motivate and then, the workforce. And then keep them. So the retention is another thing. I and mean, we'll, we'll no sooner train somebody and we're really excited about them. And then they just lose interest. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's, that's foreign to my generation, probably others. So to me, that's, that's where my challenge is going to be. 
So I think the job, the way it's going to change in our industry and insurance adjustment is you're going to have a lot more people making decisions versus doing administrative type work. Um, I personally had my car towed. I was able to download an app, put every, took, take pictures of what they needed on the app, upload what's going on. I had a tow truck driver in my driveway in about a half hour, 45 minutes. I never talked to anybody. All that administrative work, all that, you know, back and forth, it was all gone. It was all streamlined. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think a lot of the administrative type work over the next five years will will master, we'll master it and it'll go away. But we're going to have people there to make decisions. Are we paying the claim? How much are we paying? Why are we paying? Why are we not paying? Mm -hmm. So I do think that we're going to need a lot more folks that are going to be on the decision side versus the administrative side. Well, I think that your characteristics don't change, right? We're still looking for people that uh, can make good decisions, that are organized, that are uh, customer-oriented, that have high work standards. So those sort of things don't change regardless of the technology. It's just, you know, we want people to be versatile enough to be to be able to change along with the technology that comes. I agree. Yeah, I, you know, so so I, I think there's you know t two aspect or at least two aspects, but the, the leadership side of it doesn't change, right? I mean, it is about creating a shared vision. It's about motivating people. It's about helping them find the direction and, and, and going there. So there's going to be a lot of, I mean, leadership doesn't get replaced by technology. Um, at the same time, I think there will be, you know, the, the, the old days of, you know, I started as an auto adjuster. I worked my way up to a property adjuster. Now I'm a casualty adjuster. Now I'm a supervisor, and not you know six you know fifty years later, now I'm the claims manager. That that world may be changing, right? In a world that's a little bit more oriented around what is the data. You know, people who have data skills, people who are you know have more technical skills as you know, and in, in, in understanding what is you know more along the lines of the actual what is driving the experience. People who have more uh, process skills and understanding where is that friction that I can take it out, right? Uh, thinking about technology and redesigning that in a way, you know, from a leadership standpoint, creating a vision that says we're going to remove uh, challenges and friction in this way, right? And motivating and, and engaging people in that kind of a, a view. I, I think that's a skill that will be increasingly important. And you'll see more of that coming from chief claim officers and senior claims leaders. Uh, but, but, but I would agree also that, you know, you know, at the end of the day, it's a loss, right? And losses are emotional things. You know, some, some right. things are more emotional than others. Uh, and, uh, you know, emotions sometimes need to be managed and, and people are much better at managing emotions currently than, than tools and technology. And, you know, maybe you don't, maybe you're not emotionally invested in your black puffy coat. And so a two second payment is an acceptable payment for you, right? And you don't, you don't want to talk to somebody. But uh, if you're if you're facing a total loss on a fire, uh, I'm guessing you're a little more on your home, on your primary residence, you, or or your business, your livelihood. My guess is you're a little more emotionally invested, right? And and while there's a lot of tools and technology that will help expedite that and engage you and, and speed that up, at the same time, uh, you got to work through that, and that's going to require some emotional intelligence on the folks like, like like you talked about that you know the right kind of person who can think about that, connect with the customer, create that experience. So it's it's, it's a bit of both. 
So do you guys think going forward that, that we will add members to our senior leadership teams that are outside our industry to help us manage some of this other stuff? Yeah, will that like, insight, like a data analyst. Will, will, yeah, will that or innovation people coming from the outside uh, in, the, in the course of the next two, three, five years, do you see that being key positions going forward? Is in this industry. This is a pretty old school industry, you know. To get to senior leadership teams, you're largely dependent on that experience, right? Yeah, we're very slow to adopt change historically in the insurance industry. We've sort of created this vacuum or created this problem ourselves with our own advertising. That we've changed consumer expectations. I mean, look at all the advertising that we do on TV as an industry. It's how fast we're going to process your claim and how how you know how well we're going to do and make that a seamless process for you. 20 years, 10 years ago, that wasn't even, that wasn't the case. You know, 10 years ago, 10 days was acceptable. You know, now it's, you know, I've, you know, I've mm-hmm. saw a commercial just recently is, you know, oh yeah, I have an accident, take a picture, go to sleep. And I have a, I have an estimate, right? Mm-hmm. You've seen that commercial. Mm-hmm. It's uh, we've changed, we've changed expectations. So now we have to deliver on those expectations and whether that's a auto or home, uh, you know that's that's different. We've uh, you mentioned it though. We've we've as we remove some of the administrative jobs, and I agree that's what's. I mean, we've worked hard in our operations to take our what we call our you know our highly skilled labor, our adjusters, our physical damage specialists that understand physical damage. How much does it cost to repair something? We want to take every administrative task we can off of that person mm-hmm. um, because they're so valuable. Right. They're valuable, right? And uh, but it does you do start to have problems with career paths because you you know that's probably how most of us I suspect around this table got in the industry. We started out at entry level and moved mm-hmm. up. I, I, I often find it's interesting to talk when when you're with a group of uh, people in the insurance business. How many people actually thought that was their career path when they were coming? You know, wherever they began, coming out of school, said, "I'm, yeah, I want to go be an insurance adjuster." That's not, not too many people signed up for that. Uh, so that's things are changing, uh, and technology will will play a part in it um, over time. I think, you know, yeah, I agree. I mean, I'd say, Matt, you asked about, you know, folks outside the industry. I would suggest that you see that already happening with the insure tech space, right? I mean, a lot, a lot of these guys that are coming in are guys uh, and, 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 you know, individuals, men, women from outside of the industry uh, who are coming in with uh, disruptive backgrounds, uh, uh, deep pockets from venture capital and other places and, 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 and really challenging and, you know, rethinking things on its head, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so I think you see, I think you see that. I think that it's it, it's also creates risk for them as well. I mean, the industry is still highly regulated, will be highly regulated. There's there's a lot of industry knowledge that is not often is not that that sometimes takes a little while to to really understand. Uh, that's part of their advantage in terms of challenging it. It's part of their their uh, risk point by not understanding it. So they kind of dance that that razor's edge, if you will. Uh, and then and, and I think, but I do think that you know, like, and I know it's how partly how we. Uh, source ideas. We look outside of our industry. I mean, uh, telemedicine has definitely influenced how we think about tele, you know, about virtualization of adjudication of claims. Right? Uh, if you can, if you can have nurses triaging uh, human life injuries, uh, I, I promise you, we can we can triage uh, property damage uh, in a more remote manner. Right? Uh, and so those are some of the outside industry areas where we've looked at folks that are doing things differently. And, and I know, for example, you guys sent some folks. Uh, to CES, you know, just to see what's happening more broadly out there. I think those kinds of places will continue to inform, uh, you know, senior leaders as it relates to how to think about the industry. 
Yeah, it's probably it's probably easier for our side to do it uh, than than you guys as carriers. But I mean, we absolutely ha- have had to do that to to survive and stay up front and you know look at logistics companies in the logistics sector and, and go to other conferences. We're going to go to Salesforce conference this year, uh, a couple of HR conferences, just trying to get this holistic view of what's going on out there and ideas and what other people are doing. At the end of the day, what John and I do on this side is not a lot of different than other companies. We're a typical service company. We're in a very unique sector, but other people are doing it probably better and more efficient so we have to look at it. it's a little bit more closed in on you all side but uh, I certainly think there's some opportunity out there right agreed you know somebody mentioned that the tech we're in a gold rush of technology which I think is a, a unique term but we talked about it in a prior podcast which was you know it's often not the first you know guy that comes up with the technology that gets it right it's usually the second or third or maybe even fourth generation of it you know the guy that comes in and that leverages it, the yeah the, turns the, that the makes failures the, of that, somebody else yeah it says all oh, those are that's a great idea let me just you know pull this one lever just a little bit and change the whole and and, and gets it so that's also the risk that you run when you're when you're digging into those deep pockets to try to find that innovative spaces uh, the guy or gal sitting right next to you figures out that that one thing that you missed, and uh, mm-hmm. so I know that's what we're all looking for all the time. Is what's the next? It's, it's out there. Isn't it's it's there. It's <laughs> somebody's. We're going to have that moment where we sit around and say, Ah, how did we? How did we miss that? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's the uh, you know it's the uh, I'll date my it's the it's the beta or the VHS or the you know <laughs> right who's gonna who's who's gonna survive? Well, one of the things that we've learned from from doing the podcast and from talking to a lot of people. Um, both for our business and for the podcast, is the this space, the insurtech space, is enormous. You can't imagine. I'm talking about, and I don't think I'm wrong here. Thousands of startups and companies who are playing in this space. Now they're they're at all ends of the value, the insurance value chain. Not just at claims. Claims is one piece of it, right? But they're all throughout. I'm talking about thousands of companies working diligently every day with, you know, most with venture money uh, fueling them on disrupting the status quo. And and that's been one of the interesting things that we've learned as, as, as we've gone through this, Lee and Matt and I, is that there's thousands of these companies. So... Um, you know, and even like Hover, you brought up Hover. Hover, I think, has done a great job and, ma- and made a big impact thus far. But they started as a as a um, uh, a solution for the military business. That's who their first contracts were with. They they pivoted from there. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that one thing we can be sure of is is that um, there's there's going to be a lot going on in this space. Just who's who's the winners and losers? is uh, still to be written. And it's exhausting keeping up with them because there's a bunch of them. I think we're all kind of getting ahead of the technology in and of itself. You bring up there's thousands of companies. Absolutely. Everybody's running at this thing. They see the the, the, the tremendous amount of money that's to be had. Um, somebody said earlier, it's been said multiple times, we're just not there yet, right? We're not there yet in a lot of ways. Um, is I at some level, technology always looks for standardization, right? That's how you get efficient. That's how you get cheap, right? You try to standardize. It's difficult to find standardization. So right now, technology, um, the, the, the pieces that are successful are going after one uh, one problem, right? Here's a problem. Right. Here's a solution. Oh, there's right. another problem. There's another solution. 
The issue that you have with the insurance industry is it's all, you know, it's regulated at a state level, right? Then you have the looming specter of, you know, the black swan events that are what? Most people are thinking hurricanes, right? You know, what about earthquakes? What about earthquakes? You know, it, that one's coming. Oh, hey, but they're not covered, right? Earthquakes aren't covered. They got to be inspected. They're still going to have to inspect them. And then there's another side of the coin here. I'm, I'm pretty good friends with a number of, of public adjusters. They love the idea of technology because you've never been out there to look at it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and so there's a lot of unintended consequences that I believe are coming. And but getting back to the standardization thing, how do you standardize a policy? Because as soon as you do, that's a differentiator for somebody else. Now, oh, you're just like them. Guess what? We're going to do something different. Now you just upset the apple cart again. So it's it's going to be very, very interesting. Are we going to get there? I think absolutely we're going to get there at least we're going to get 90% there, right? And technology is going to solve most of the problems that we're struggling with now. At what point though, and again, I bring it back to the human element, what, at what point do people just, you know, ultimately say, you know, eh, it's just a little too creepy. I mean, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a self-professed <laughs> conspiracy theorist, right? Survivalist. <laughs> yes, right. I don't have a bunker yet. But, um, you know, and, and everybody, are, they're quick to say, well, it's the millennial, you know, the, the, the younger kids, this is what they're used to. But I'm seeing things that are saying otherwise. They're saying, no, we're, we're a little bit fed up with some of the, you know, we want more human engagement. So um, it's going to be fun to watch and see what happens. I can't wait to see the, the new technology, you know, the latest and greatest that really solves a lot of the problems. You talk about the repetitive motion issues, right? That constantly taking away more administrative work so that our skilled adjusters can do what they do. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm anxious to see the technologies that, you know, keep me from having to strike a key. Um, you know, I, you know, it's it's funny to say, you know, carpal tunnel is one of the. <laughs> it's a, it's a, you know a, a serious uh, on the job injury, but um, at some point, you know, the technology will catch up, and we're not going to sit there. We're not going to be constantly typing in file notes, or we're not going to be constantly entering in, you know, uh, uh, coverage data in in these files. It's going to be like Dan said earlier. You were you were talking about um, you know what happened at the turn of the century and how we're seeing a lot of those things coming up today. I think that timing plays a big role in this. And there's other maybe pieces of infrastructure that have to be put in place, like, like what the cloud enabled today. And that, that, but that timing and, and, and you know, one of the things that, w that we've uh, you said several times on the podcast is, is that uh, things will probably change less in the next few years than we expect, but probably more in the next 10 years than we expect. And so um, I think that, you know, as we as we bring this to a close today, um, you know, d d does everybody agree with that? That the, that the change, the changes are probably further out than they are near term. 
Yeah, and I, 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 so I believe that inherently, right? I mean, I think that, mm-hmm. that, that, that there'll be a lot of interesting things that happen. Some will stick, some won't in the short term. Uh, I think the, I think it's hard today. I think you get caught up in the emotion of the excitement of the the new the new and the shiny, and you you project that as the new normal. Uh, it it doesn't necessarily pan out quite as you anticipate in the short run. Uh, but but you can't envision what the the you know you can't envision the future, right? Uh, and it's in totality. I, I, I guess the only thing I would add there is, 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 is and, you, and you talk about, you know, the timing and whatnot, the infrastructure, none of this tech, none of, none of the advances, you know, exist in a vacuum, right? They all, ex, you know, w- w- you know, the smartphone is enabled by, you know, fast, fast over, over cell net wireless, right? Um, you know, all of these things are, exist with, with other things around them and how, how those develop and change will also, you know, change how we mm-hmm. think about what we're doing. I mean, mm-hmm. just the concept of, you know, if you want to talk about, you know, private property ownership, whether vehicles are still owned by individuals in the future. I mean, th- th- those are questions that that may change, you know, it, depending on how those questions get answered, may change the nature of our work substantially, right? If all of a sudden, you know, Ford doesn't sell vehicles, but only runs a service and every vehicle is on, on the road is owned by Ford, it gets damaged. They might not be calling an insurance adjuster to go take a look at it. They might just be having the thing come back to their own shop and take care of it themselves and be done with it, right? Uh, I mean, and, and balance sheets. I mean, balance sheets are changing, right? Balance sheets are much bigger, and the nature of losses for individuals, uh, corporations, uh, are changing as well. And so, I, I think you got people with a lot bigger balance sheets. They absorb losses in a different way. That changes that ch- that changes the nature of the game as well. So, I, I think all that exists uh, in an ecosystem that that right. will push pull yin yang and it makes it difficult to know what 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 the future will ultimately look like but i do agree with mick i mean it's it's it the, the long-term trajectory is clear it's just when and how it actually looks that's a it's uh, a great example the shared ride services <laughs> you know just uh, last week uh, lyft opened up their own collision repair center the first one out in california um wow. so you know, offering lyft drivers discounted repairs and discounted yeah. services and I think the uh, I don't I don't want to get the statistic wrong. It was either thirty or they had a goal of either thirty or sixty repair shops. They wanted to open up yeah. this calendar year. I think was the article. Changes I read. the game. So it's it's a huge thing. And, you know, you you flip that over to you. Know, you talk, it's easy to envision shared services or shared rides. You know, um, on the auto side or autonomous vehicles that are owned by large manufacturers. You you know the kind of the flip side of that on the homeowner side is. Uh, rentals. I mean, there's a lot of you know, the you know people Airbnb things like that. A lot of shifting Definitely. of you know, it's home ownership is important as what you know what I think it is. You know, I mean, I don't know that the next generation feels that way, mm-hmm. and uh, that changes the dynamics, you know, quite a bit whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Final comments, thoughts. Thanks for having us, and thanks yeah. for talking sure. about it. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see where we do go in five years and see what's out there. So we're we so we're going to do this in five years, same place, same time. You know, see where see if we're right or wrong. Come or back and uh, open the time good. capsule back up and see. If sure, we're that's that's podcast back. That's I still have a job. And <laughs> be able to meet via hologram. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're thinking about next year for. Uh, uh, PLRB, we're gonna we're gonna do our presence is just gonna be virtual. We're gonna put video <laughs> screens up, and uh, you'll just press. Want to talk to Rob Beller? Press here. Matt Fathery, press here. Paul Riolis, press here. And and then we could just 
sit at our desks at home. You know, I'd like to see the data analytics on which one they press. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's private. Uh, Confidential. Yeah. <laughs> you, you talk about all the stuff in the future, though, but you think back, you know, uh, I remember, you know, thinking when we get to the year 2000 and the predictions for all the technology that was going to be there then, right? We, you know, uh, in the 80s and 90s, we said by now we'd be flying, you know, George Jetson <laughs> right. hovercrafts, and we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what I understand if somebody's listening out there. Why are we working on autonomous cars? Skip that step, go right to the autonomous, you know, George Jetson autonomous drone. We don't, you know, no roads, no infrastructure. The problem is the FAA would be involved in that. Well, that's kill that's that the deal. problem, so, you know. We don't, you know. I mean, it's, probably, it's, it's to Dan's talk. It's the ecosystem, and it's it's a lot of other things. It's out there that push us, right? 5G's coming, what does that do? Mm-hmm. Photos are probably gonna be a thing of the past. We're gonna be videoing everything, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's gonna be an interesting world. Mm-hmm. So sure, we'll do this in five years. I'll be here. Okay. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it. Thank you. That was great. Yeah, that was great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really hope that you all enjoyed that as much as Matt and I did in doing it. And I encourage you to reach out to the people that you heard from on the episode. I know it might be a little hard to discern who was who, but uh, we want to thank again Dan Moore from QBE, John Hall from Worley, Scott Sprague from Westfield, Pat Sennard from Great American, Bo Helms from Shelter, Jill Thomas from NatGen Lender Services, and Mick Zondori from Kemper. And thank them for their time and their interest and being willing to uh, join us for our little experiment that we did at PLRB. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on our next episode. <laughs>